We're back together for another Evening Under Lamplight podcast with Robert Louis Abrahamson. We're coming to the end of Series 2 on Shakespeare's Tempest. We're at Act 5, the ending of the play, and we'll break up this important act into a few podcasts. There are several different beats in this one-scene act, 12 beats altogether, including at the end the epilogue. I'll try to use them to structure our discussion. The, the titles of the beats can help us watch the way the drama is developing. We can call the first beat Everything in Readiness for the Climax. This is an odd moment in the play as the scene begins. The previous scene ended with Prospero and Ariel going off to fetch his magic robe. The stage is empty for just enough time to stimulate some expectation, and then they re-enter. Prospero in his role as magician. He has reached his peak. Everything is going right for him. His project is now gathered to a head, his charms are effective, the spirits are obedient, and all pretty much within the time set for it to happen. After a moment of triumph, Prospero returns to that consciousness of time that runs through the whole play. How's the day? he asks Ariel, his timekeeper. There's a time limit to the actions of this day. We're not sure exactly why everything has to be so rushed, but perhaps like, like Cinderella's magic transformation, the magic is valid for only a limited time. Of course, the time is very important to Ariel, who has been told that very soon he'll be set free, and he makes sure Prospero remembers this. It's the sixth hour you said we'd be finished now. Well, they're almost finished. They just have to wrap things up. They're perhaps running a bit behind, but not by much. Prospero agrees that the time is almost here for setting Ariel free. I did say so when I first did raise the Tempest, he says, reminding us of the opening of the play in the Tempest, now that we are coming to the end of the play. All things draw together in a circle. Now, the second beat, which we'll call What to Do with the King and his Followers. The first thing for them to attend to is the punishment of Prospero's three main enemies, King Alonso, his brother Sebastian, and Prospero's usurping brother Antonio. They've been under the care of Ariel, who reports that they're imprisoned in the nearby grove, immobilized until Prospero allows them to move. We have to picture two groups here. First, there's Alonso, Sebastian, and Antonio, the three guilty ones, who are all three in that drugged state of bewilderment, not just from the magic enchantment, but also, we must imagine, from being haunted by their newly awakened guilty consciences. When we last saw them, the three were desperate, their great guilt now begins to bite the spirits. The second group in that grove consists of all the others, the courtiers, who do not know anything about the guilt of the other three, so they have no idea why they are wandering around in this weird trance, and they are full of pity as they watch that terrible condition. And preeminent among the courtiers, as usual, is Gonzalo, who would be the one who does remember what the others had done to Prospero twelve years ago. But, but he's full of compassion at the sight of the three of them so bewildered, and his tears, Ariel reports, run down his beard like winter's drops from eaves of reeds. 
this is an image that always comes back to me when I walk through the village in winter and see drops of water or mist or melting frost or snow dripping down from the thatch in front of the houses. A steady dripping. Winter's drops from eaves of reeds. Such, we see, are the tears falling from Gonzalo, he is so dismayed by their condition. And now we come, almost without preparation, to what I consider the climax of the play. Ariel tells Prospero that his magic is so effective that if you now beheld them, your affections would become tender. That is, the sight of them would melt your heart. We could easily miss this line, but, but Prospero doesn't. He catches it with, I think, a sudden start. If you now beheld them, your affections would become tender. Dost thou think so, spirit? And the startling reply, Mine would, sir, were I human. Everything must stop at this moment, as Prospero takes this in. A mere spirit of the air, with more human compassion than he, a fellow human being, feels towards these men? Prospero takes a deep breath, or does some similar action, and says, And mine shall. That is, his affection shall become tender towards his enemies too. Three simple monosyllables, and mine shall, change everything. Prospero has been shamed into forgiving his enemies. The play has been transformed from a revenge tragedy into a revenge comedy. Then we get a beautiful explanation of why he changes his mind. Changes his mind, or has a change of heart, or even, we might say, repents of his hardness. Prospero restates the situation like this. Ariel is not human, but a spirit of the air, and yet he feels sorry for these troubled human beings, to whom he bears no relation. Why should he care about human beings? They're nothing to him. This thought shames Prospero. It's he who should feel sympathy for a fellow human being. He is of the same kind as other human beings. He is one of their kind, as he says, and has the same emotional makeup as they have, relishing all as sharply passion as they. This makes him kin with them, and when we act as we should with those that are the same kind of creature as we are, then we can be said to be acting kindly. We are being kind. Hamlet's first line in his play is a pun on this word, a little more than kin and less than kind. As kin to these poor men who are suffering so much, isn't it proper that Prospero should feel more kindly towards them than a creature from another species, and be kindlier moved than thou art? Well, Prospero, now released from the rage that had been controlling him, is able to examine the state of his inner being and to weigh the two conflicting parts of himself. On the one hand, there is that part of him that is struck to the quick by the high wrongs committed by these three men. But on the other hand, there is nobler reason, that highest part of the human being, which rises above personal concerns to see things from a divine perspective. And this nobler reason knows that forgiveness is more important than personal hostility. The rarer action is in virtue than in vengeance. Rarer in the sense of being more refined, but also with the sense that not many people are able to act upon the dictates of their nobler reason. 
The nobler reason knows that what matters most about evil people is that they should repent of their evil and turn to the path of virtue so they can join the rest of the community again. And if we punish them, it's only to help them see the evil so they can repent. Any further punishment is merely to gratify our baser desires for revenge. Now once Prospero hopes that Antonio, Sebastian, and Alfonso are penitent, then he knows he should forgive them, stop hurting them, not a frown further, and welcome them back into his company. So he instructs Ariel to set them free and restore them to themselves. We'll stop here and continue what comes next in a new podcast, with Prospero's eloquent and poignant renunciation of his magic. See you next time.